This week on The Vergecast, Ashley joins us to talk about ovens that turn themselves on when you don't want them to. We got a bunch of Spotify news and uh, also Harmony OS from Huawei. Stick around. Support for today's show comes from Deloitte. What does the future look like? By melting business acumen and innovative technology, Deloitte can help you build the future only you can imagine. They can help engineer solutions for your business reality today and your vision for tomorrow to get you to a world where you don't just dream it, you build it. See how you can engineer advantage with Deloitte at Deloitte.com slash US slash engineering advantage. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello and welcome to The Verge Cast. It is a flagship podcast of The Verge Shenanigans. Shenanigans is an act, it's not a place. Anyway, hi, I am Dieter Bone. I am not Nilay Patel. He is off. I am joined this week by Paul Miller, of course. Hello. And special guest, Ashley Carmen. Hello. How is it going, everybody? Fantastic. It's very, it's very well. It's very well. <laughs> it's hot in San Francisco and it makes me very unhappy. Uh, it's, it's just the worst. Anyway, speaking of heat, Wow. See what I did there? <laughs> wow. <laughs> really good. Um, bunch of stuff happened this week. It's sort of a grab bag of news, but I think the the scariest slash most fun news of the week by far was owned by Ashley, so we had to have her on. What is going on with smart ovens? <laughs> All right. So there there is this smart oven called the June oven. It is Wi-Fi enabled, connected. All of these owners that have June ovens congregate in a closed Facebook group that I was added to by a PR person, which was a mistake. Um, (laughs) And I saw a post from a woman freaking out about how her oven had turned on overnight while she was asleep and heated up to 400 degrees and started cooking. And it ran like that. She got a push notification. The push woke her up. So I did a little back searching because I was like, that's weird. And it turned out that this had happened twice before. Oh, my God. Okay. So other owners had posted in this group saying that they woke up and found that their smart ovens had turned on overnight and preheated to like 400, 425 degrees Fahrenheit. And none of them had any idea until they woke up in the morning and noticed somehow. I don't know about you, but when I wake up in the morning and I like go make coffee and like <laughs> check the news and take a shower and then leave – the number of times I, like, glance at my oven is uh, zero. Yeah. So, like, if this thing popped on in my kitchen, it would be on for, like, a week before I'd notice it. The best thing is that one of the guys who discovered this had a Nest Cam in his kitchen. And he oh had God. the exact moment the oven turned on. And so it's this, like, <laughs> pitch black room with a little KitchenAid in, in frame. And all of a sudden you just see this 
oven's light just turn on. It's so scary. It's so scary. And back up. So for people that don't know what a June oven is, can you just yeah. like it's it's not like a it's not a, a pod based food creation thing, but it's Shockingly in that zone, no. right? Yeah. So let me. So they debuted in 2015 with mm-hmm. a $1,500 countertop oven, Wi-Fi okay. connected. Then they raised $30 million in funding God. overall. And they released yeah. a second generation last year for $600, yeah. so more affordable. Yeah, okay. And it's seven appliances in one. So they promise you an air fryer, dehydrator, slow cooker, broiler, toaster, warming drawer. Didn't know that was an appliance. And the convection countertop oven. I mean, this is some Ronco shit right here. <laughs> Actually, nobody's old enough to know what I might mean by that, but that's okay. But is that Look like, it but up, wait, kids. But wait, there's more? Yeah, but wait, there's more. Before we're super, super mad at them for almost killing people in house fires, <laughs> isn't this the dream that you wake up and your breakfast is already prepared by your oven? Uh, <laughs> I mean... <laughs> isn't this the future? Well, okay, this I is just like jetpacks and flying cars. Well, I haven't even given you the kicker yet. So these people woke up. They all noticed their ovens were on. They had no idea why the oven was on. Someone thought maybe, you know, it had to do with the Alexa skill, blah, blah, blah. So I reached out to June, and I was like, hey, you know, there's now been three people. This seems like a thing that maybe we should talk about. Um, What happened? Oh, man. And this CEO, Matt Van Horn, says that the reason— all of these ovens turned on overnight has nothing to do with the oven and everything to do with bad customers who ma- who just made a mistake and accidentally Whoa. turned on their ovens without realizing it. While they were asleep? That's the thing. So one guy I talked to said, well, you know, it's possible that I force close all my apps before I go to bed. So maybe somehow I tapped something, okay. which seems like, okay, that seems a little crazy. And then another guy said – and June confirmed that he somehow accidentally issued an Alexa command that turned on the oven without him realizing. In his sleep. <laughs> Again, <Okay>. who knows? <laughs> like, who knows what happened? Yeah. <laughs> but it was just crazy to me. And so obviously this suggests to me that they have bad UI. Like something mm-hmm. is wrong here. You should have to double tap and press a yes or something in order to get the oven to turn on. But the CEO compared these ovens turning on and these customers doing this on accident to someone butt dialing someone else. It's like a butt mm. dial, except that you're turning on your oven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Okay, I live in California, and apparently there's like a law here where I'm not allowed to use an app to turn on a heater. Like my Dyson app has a thing that I can like remote control my Dyson fan. I'm a sucker. I bought a really expensive Dyson fan heater thing. But anyway, it's great, but the app won't let me turn on the heater part of it. It, like, pops up a warning saying, UL something, something, you're not allowed to use it. But apparently that doesn't apply in all states. But it seems to me that anything that has a heating element that can get over, you know, 400 degrees, whatever, (laughs) pick your temperature, there should be, like, an extra step, right? Yeah. I mean, that's definitely, you know— so this, the oven does have a camera in it, so you can live stream your food, obviously. Of course, yeah. And uses computer vision to recognize what food is in the oven so they can automatically start cooking it, of course. Mm-hmm. And so the selling point is like, oh, 
if you're on the way home from work or something like that, or if the kids, I don't know, are home and need you to do something, you can turn the oven on or turn it off. I understand the turning off. It's like, oh, I need to just make sure my oven's off. I can't understand right. that compulsion. But yeah, if you're going to turn the oven on, it really seems like that should not be a tap on a screen on your phone. Or but a voice command. That's worse, actually. Is it the tap on the screen or the voice command? Or is it the like the vague fear that something in the cloud, a software glitch, will do it? Because, I don't know, I was thinking about it. Like, I have a gas oven and stovetop. And you know the cliche in the movies, if you want to, like, kill somebody and not get caught, don't do this. But, you, you know, you turn the <laughs> gas on and then, you know, find a way to light a little match. And then the apartment explodes, right? Yeah. And, like, um, my house, everybody's house is just... Full of murder gadgets. It's just some of them have been around for a hundred years instead of two. And so how much of this is that like the June oven is, you know, should you shouldn't connect anything that could kill you to the internet because the internet might make it kill you. And how much of it is just there's like we keep inventing new things that are potentially dangerous and don't know how to deal with them yet. Uh, I just think really getting rid of the remote start is the move here. You talk to other manufacturers that do require a physical button press, Yeah, right? so June has competitors, including yeah. Tovala, which does sell meal pods. Thank you very much. Yes. And Brava, which is another company that just like classic Silicon Valley, they use lights instead of a convection oven. It's a whole Isn't thing. that just an easy bake oven? Uh, you know, <laughs> I'll let you okay. have that argument with them. <laughs> There's zones, okay? Oh, my God. So when this story came out, naturally the internet – went a little crazy about it because it's just mm -hmm. like everyone's nightmare come to life. And these oven makers, I reached out to them, but then one of them got back to me and was like, hey, a few of our customers are actually reaching out to us because they're concerned. And I just want to put out there that we don't, neither of them allow people to remotely start their ovens. They have to push the button physically. No app tap. None. Just seems smarter. And I don't think they have voice skills. So It yeah. does seem smarter, but I'm not convinced. <laughs> I, I want to both live in a world where this is safe to do and I can't accidentally do it while I'm sleeping. Yeah. But also <laughs> that I could if I wanted to. Because otherwise, we're not progressing as a society. Yeah, I, just like a confirmation. Are you sure? Right. Like, is, there, yeah. is, there, is there a roll of paper towel sitting inside or next to your smart oven that could potentially light on fire. Right. Like some sometimes I accidentally tap my phone and it skips the next YouTube video. I was like, oh man, and I tap back. Right. So it should it shouldn't be on that level. And yeah, maybe some sort of like yeah, zone verification. Like are any of your pets inside of the oven? Is yeah, is the paper towel <laughs> leaning precariously close? You know, is the wire frayed? I don't know how we can get this sort of verification, but but, but the remote, but I want to get there. The remote start isn't advancing society. I mean, I'm, I was always taught you don't leave the oven on when you're not home. I feel like my yeah, parents have same. maybe moved away from that rule now that they cook beets in there for like 10 hours a day. But <laughs> I, I still have <laughs> that ingrained in me. Can I can I confess something? Uh, there is a space heater in our house that is plugged into a Wemo switch. No, that's Ooh. bad. Yeah, <laughs> that's that, true. Space heaters. I thought are really you said scary. that was. A Illegal in California. It is. It's super not not <laughs> safe. Super not cool. I'm super unhappy about it. Um, but it 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 has happened. We'll see mm. if uh you know I you know sometimes burn my apartment down. Anyway, um, the other thing. I don't know. What do you think is going to happen next, Ashley? Like, 
Are they going to are they going to turn off the button? Are they just going to ride this out? I don't. Well, so June is issuing two updates. One is that next month they'll issue an update where users can actually turn off the remote start, but it'll still be on by default. So if you're really okay. paranoid about it, you can turn off. The second update is that their cameras are going to be able to recognize when there's no food in the oven. And then mm. if it's on for a certain amount of time, picks up that there's no food, it'll send kind of like that Netflix push that's like, hey, are you still wanting to do this? And then turn it off. Right. So I don't think those are fixes. Honestly, I don't. But Well, the if there's nothing in it and it's on, that's kind of a fix. Can the cameras detect a fire? Can they like see that things have like – are go are getting going from bad to worse? Like the, if there's smoke, uh, they have not advertised that function. Um, mm. That would maybe push things in the right direction. I mean, the thing is, one of the guys who discovered his oven on overnight had potatoes in his oven that he forgot to take out. <laughs> I mean, no judgment, but okay. <laughs> well, yeah, he was just like, oh yeah, I forgot. I left them to cool in the oven, mm. and. So in that case— Okay, that's that's a normal thing to do. Like, oh, I baked potato. Oh, it's too hot. I'll leave it there for a minute. I'll come back to it. And then, mm-hmm. like, you watch a YouTube video, and then you skip to the next one. And you're like, ah, oh, and then, you know, you forget that it was there. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you fall asleep, and, and mm-hmm. while you're sleeping, you <laughs> talk to Alexa. Yeah. And you turn on your oven. <laughs> that's literally exactly what June is saying happened in his case. So, yeah, there's actually been another update. I cannot believe it. But now June is saying that it's actually going to immediately update its iOS and Android apps to further prevent users from accidentally turning on the oven. So the iOS app will no longer open to the oven page by default, which is where you can adjust your temperature and cook settings, but rather to the cookbook page, which is just exactly what it sounds like. The Android app and the iOS app for sure are also going to lose a couple presets for baking. So that makes things really easy. It's unclear if the Android update is going to also open up to the cookbook or not. It wasn't clear from June's statement. But presumably they would not require you to open it to the oven. I mean, yeah, sure. Paul, Yeah. the, the other thing that's happened this week with regard to like I don't know. This is vaguely related just because it's like has to do with like fire. Is <laughs> like there's been a, a, a couple of weird stories about batteries and Apple products. Can you walk mm. us through? Let's let's start with the iPhone. Apple, because they love doing this. They're we're sneaky and they have apparently added some technology to the iPhone so that if you have your battery replaced by a non-authorized Apple battery replacer, uh-huh. there's some sort of chip that is not correctly configured by that non-authorized replacer. And so when you go into your settings and check your battery health, it says, unable to verify this iPhone has a genuine iPhone battery. And it doesn't show you the like the battery health information anymore. Right, how many cycles you've used, how long it thinks it's gonna last, et cetera. And so this is just, this is just a classic Apple situation. Uh, mm-hmm. This is, you know, Apple w- wants to keep its users safe it's obvious that there are a lot of bad batteries out there. A lot of people have gotten bad batteries. People have been harmed by bad batteries. It's not smart to have a bad, unauthorized battery in your phone. While at the same time, this is stripping functionality from someone who wants to replace their own battery themselves. Right. I don't really know what the solution <laughs> is because this is every every Apple story ends up kind of like this. Yeah, I mean, they, they put out a state, like this turned into a kerfuffle. Um, and they put out a statement, and the statement basically was like, 
Yeah, we if if the battery is unauthorized, we don't know if it's like how to measure if we can trust that our measurements are accurate, so we don't give you the battery health. Oh, by the way, there's over eighteen hundred authorized service centers in America, and Best Buy just got signed on, so it's very easy to go find an authorized repair person if you want. So it's like I'm super torn because on the one hand, you're right, you should be able to do whatever you want with the thing you buy and not be punished for it. On mm-hmm. the other hand, um, batteries explode. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> right, which is a convenient <laughs> segue into Apple's other battery situation is that its batteries explode. Well, um, mm, yeah. <laughs> specifically, some of its uh, last generation uh, MacBook Pro 15 inches. Yeah. Uh, certain models sold between, I think it's 2015 and 2018 explode they've been added to FAA's ban list right um, and so this there's like some confusion it sounded like FAA was banning MacBooks but FAA has a standing policy if you have a recalled battery then you can't fly with your recalled battery and since right. a bunch of these MacBook Pros have been recalled uh, they were added to this list there's a site you can go to check the serial number but the the question is if you're in line and you have a laptop that looks like millions of other Apple laptops, are you going to open it up and like run the serial number while you're standing in line? I mean, I sincerely doubt it. Also, Apple's so aggressive at like pushing update warnings. Like literally every computer in our office has a, do you want to update notification in the upper right-hand corner of your screen? Can't they just put one of those permanent warnings up for people that like have a laptop that should be recalled, like, you can get your battery replaced for free, and you should, because it might explode, and just, that's always there no matter what. They should just do that. Yeah. Do they not do that? I don't know if they do that. They should do that. I mean, it sounds like they make you check the serial number. (laughs) It's up to you if you want your laptop to explode. Okay, so the FAA has a standing policy. They'll—whatever, but there's no way they're going to check these things, so it'll be fine. Like, I do not think that a laptop is going to explode on a plane because there's not mm. that many. And people that have it probably got the news. They got an email from Apple. They'll get their stuff replaced. There's a perishingly small number of these things. Um, but I'm still sort of hung up on both with, like, the June oven and this. Like, we carry around tiny little bombs in our pockets, and it's like, okay, <laughs> shrug. <laughs> and I don't know. It's like like AA batteries were, like, you know, super safe, but they're pretty safe. Like, they, they they won't hurt you. But ever since the Note 8, was it the Note 8 or the Note 7? Note 7. Which one did they? Note it was the Note 7. 7. And then they skipped 8. That was mm-hmm. it. They skipped 8 because it was a whole thing. I just, it just, it's super weird, right? Like, we've got tiny little bombs in our pockets all the time, and we just kind of don't think about it. Mm. Well. We're carrying a lot of energy around. They don't, energy, sure. They don't they're not e- bombs. They That's don't fair. explode like bombs. They get really yeah. hot. Uh, I've seen some videos of phones kind of, <laughs> kind of not not quite like boom, but like mm, like little boom. a little bit of pop, mm, little pop. Yeah, and the thing is, is that it's not over. None of this is a, has been super solved, and we're 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 moving technology, charger technologies to 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 GAN, which might yep. be able to charge batteries even faster. Yep. I don't know how that quite relates to to batteries. Samsung claims that they're going to be able to um, switch to graphene in a couple of years for the batteries themselves, which maybe is stabler, but it's also like able to charge faster uh, than lithium ion. This specific iPhone thing with unauthorized batteries, mm-hmm. 
it seems like you, if you want to go and install your own battery, you can. And the punishment, the quote-unquote punishment you get is Apple takes away the battery health feature. Mm-hmm. Um, but it won't stop the phone from working. It doesn't do a, like a phone home lock you out sort of thing. It won't put you on a ban list with the FAA. <laughs> I guess not, yeah. Um, it voids your warranty, but that's because you opened the phone up yourself, which mm-hmm. voids your warranty full stop. Am I weird to like not be like super mad about it? I, in a perfect world, they would have ways to do diagnostics on a battery no matter who installed it. And I like the idea of being able to fix my own thing myself, order a battery kit for my fix-it, take it apart myself, feel like, oh, I, I, I fixed this thing myself. Now it belongs to me more than it did before. Like I love all of that. But I'm also like not super mad at Apple. Am I? Am I like becoming um, the man? Mm. Am I a cop now? <laughs> I kind of feel the same way. Like I have my display has been replaced far too many times now. So every time I turn on my phone, I get a pop up that says that Touch ID doesn't work anymore. Oh, and my home button has been replaced as well. Everything has been okay. replaced on my phone, and I'm just like, okay, thanks for the notification. I knew what <laughs> I was getting into. Like, dope. <laughs> And then I just move on. Like, I lost functionality. Mm. Okay. I, I didn't <laughs> want to pay your prices. And that's that. They made me know. I think kind of going back to, I think we were talking about this last week with these terms of service. There is the, like, implicit terms of service that's just based on how well you know a company, how well you know this type of product. And just the implicit terms of service with the iPhone is <laughs> if you try to mess with it, it's broken and you might get lucky and it's not broken, but expected to be broken. And like, this is just what, this is what you signed up for by being a, a, a customer of Apple right. and, and buying an iPhone. Uh, and you know, it's in other phone manufacturers, they're sort of on a gradient, like slowly we've become, you know, there was a mo- there was a time when it's like, oh yeah, I like Android because I have replaceable, like easy replaceable batteries where you can slide the back off the phone and then mm-hmm. swap the battery a vanishingly small number of phones now allow you to do that. But that was something that you sort of expected, like, ah, oh, this I'm I'm an Android person because I like this type of thing. Yeah. I also can see why Apple would be maybe spooked by the idea of, you know, potentially dangerous batteries. That's bad PR for them. If an iPhone yeah. explodes, that is a bad look for them. So I can see them wanting to be like, oh, well, we made it clear. We let you know. Although, who's checking checking their battery health menu? Yeah, not me. Although it's a thing because <laughs> I didn't even if your battery health starts degrading. Well, you remember how iPhones were like slowing down and like Apple didn't tell anybody, and then it turned out that it was because like they, you know, they're trying to adjust for aging batteries, mm-hmm. and now you have the choice to like age your battery even faster by keeping your iPhone fast. It's a whole thing. Yeah, but still, I just assume my battery is crap. It is crap. I literally keep my phone plugged in. So much. Like, it's terrible. I, th- all the rules about when you're supposed to plug your battery in or not or how to charge it or whatever, my advice is ignore it. It's like it's too much effort. Your battery's going to suck after a year <laughs> no matter what you do. But iPhones and um, I think Samsung phones do this now. Th- like, they're all starting to realize that you shouldn't fast charge your phone overnight because fast charging can, like, hurt a battery's longevity. So when you plug it in at night, what they'll do is they'll, like, charge it up to 80% slower than usual, and then they won't hit that last 20% to bring it up to 100 until it thinks you're about to wake up. So it, it's actually easier on the battery when you charge. And they're basing this on, like, the time of day or, like, 
It's AI, observed, Paul. It's just observed. AI. Okay, there's, it's AI. There, yeah, it's, a, it, you there's, know, a, and then, there's it's a contractor AI, but, somewhere who knows when I go to sleep and exactly. when I wake up. Yeah, you okay. think it's AI, but technically it's a contractor <laughs> who's listening to you speak. Okay, That's, good, good. Yeah. All right, we are going to go take a break. Uh, before we do, I want to point out that there was an emergency pod podcast earlier this week. Neelai and Julia talked to Matt Muldweg, who is the owner of Automatic, which makes WordPress, which just bought Tumblr. And I wanted to talk about this WordPress-Tumblr tie-up a bunch on this show, but uh, they kind of just covered it all. In fact, Neelai, like, asked all my questions on the <laughs> show that I sent him. So if you haven't listened to that, I highly recommend you go check that out because it touches on a bunch of the stuff we usually rant about on The Vergecast. Uh, so check that out, but don't do it now. Right now, you're going to pull over and listen to this ad, and then you're going to drive again, and we're going to talk about Spotify. Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds, thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. Ask your boss if Canva Magic Write is right for you at canva.com, designed for work. Canva. Support for this podcast comes from Constant Contact. If you're a business owner, you already know that it's really, really hard to cut through the noise of everyday life. If you want to connect with your customers, you need to break through the noise. You need Constant Contact. Constant Contact is a marketing platform that makes it easy to reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and connect over email, text, social media, and more. Whether you're a marketing guru or just learning the ropes, Constant Contact offers writing assistance tools and automation features that make it simple to say the right thing at the right time. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. We're back, and I hope that you had a restful time on the side of the road. Hope you didn't disrupt traffic. <laughs> Ashley, there's just been a bunch of Spotify news this week, mm-hmm. and I can't, like, make a story out of it. Uh, but to me, the biggest one is this podcast thing, the the podcast dashboard or whatever. What is this? Yeah, so— Last year, Spotify introduced something called Spotify for Podcasters in beta. And essentially what it is is a dashboard of analytics that gives podcasters the ability to learn a lot about their audience. And this is and so this week they announced that they are now making this public. So the goal is basically that every podcaster and there's over 400,000 podcasts on Spotify The goal is that these podcasters will start using the dashboard. So that specific news is maybe not super relevant to the listeners as far as if you don't publish a podcast. But it is actually very interesting from a data perspective because up until now, podcasters have had little to no information about their listeners. It's RSS. You can usually get IP addresses, where they're listening from, and what device people are listening on and Mm -hmm. the app. But definitely not demographics information, definitely not what music they listen to. (laughs) And this is (laughs) legit 
all new territory because Spotify knows a lot about what you're doing, who you are, who you're friends with, where you're listening, all of these things. And it's starting to feed that information back to podcasters now. So the the context here is like podcasting was like the last true classic RSS-based early 2000s open web, free for all, Mm -hmm. we don't do creepy ad things medium, right? Mm -hmm. Like we put it on our RSS feed, you hit it, you download a file, the end. And for a long, everyone's like, oh, this is terrible. We can't track you. And, like, the advertisers want to know more and blah, 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 blah. It was shockingly primitive, which is why you yeah. heard about promo codes and surveys for <laughs> listeners, like, through SurveyMonkey, is because yeah. there was just no way to learn about listeners unless you went out of your way to type in a promo code so we know that we can attribute that sale back to the show. Right. So Apple started doing turning on a little bit more analytics. It seems like Spotify is turning the dial way up. And if they're providing this much information to us, the podcasters, they must be providing equal or more to advertisers, I assume. All we know about their advertising right now as far as – so regular podcasts like Vergecast on Spotify, first of all, it's not RSS. We mm-hmm. we let them do their own thing with the show. But we have our own ads, and that's that. Spotify doesn't touch it. It's great. But for Spotify's own shows and for their free users who get ads, what we know now is that advertisers – can now target their ads against people's podcast listening habits. So whereas before, and this is where it starts to get interesting because you realize how sensitive podcast information can really be. Oh, yeah. Like if all of a sudden I start listening to like new parent podcasts, like y'all know I'm about to have a kid, right? Yeah, exactly. Whereas, and we we can get into this now, but like for example, the Vergecast and Why'd You Push That Button, the show I do, Mm -hmm. have, we can see, our listeners and what music they like. I think both of our listeners like Drake. Okay, so here are the <laughs> the artists that you, the Vergecast listener, are listening to. Okay, so Kanye West, sure, uh, maybe maybe uh, you, you could update some of your listening habits. Kanye West, that's fine. Drake, of course, great. Drake, mm-hmm. Post Malone, I'm with you. Cool. <laughs> All right. Uh, Ed Sheeran, sure. That's me. So here's the thing. <laughs> I firmly believe that you should never, ever look down on someone for the things that they like, for their aesthetic Do you? preferences. Because it sounds like that's no, no, no. a I, I mean that's it. about like, to be contradicted. If, I, if, I, if I'm <laughs> drinking, like, crappy coffee and you're like, hmm, you're a bad person because you like that coffee and it's bad coffee. Like, no, mm-hmm. screw you, man. Like, this is okay. fine. I'm happy with this. And, like, I, I used – my pin tweet used to be it's okay to like things and to like that other people like things. This is, like, mm. the thing that drove me cr- – still drives me crazy about, like, the fanboy wars between iPhone mm. and Android. Like, if people like the thing that they have, then why would you, like, tell them they suck because they like that thing? Stop it. But there's a line. And I draw that line at the chain smokers. <laughs> <laughs> I just – and the worst part is the listeners of Why'd You Push That Button, they've got Ed Sheeran and Drake, of course, but they've got Billie Eilish. They've got Ariana Grande. They've got Taylor Swift. Um, but, man, the Polygon show, <laughs> they have Billy English, Panic at the Disco, Carly Rae Jepsen, and Lizzo, which is like, mm. man, that's a, that's, a, that's a good set of music right there. They also have Fall Out Boy, which – <sighs> it's fine. But Vergecast listeners, I I beg you, I want to see, like, weird stuff in this 
thing where we can look at what music you're listening to. Like, we should pick a band, and all the Vergecast listeners that listen to us on Spotify should go listen to this band and start messing with the data of what Spotify thinks they know about you. What's a, what's a good band that everyone should go listen to, like, right now, after the Vergecast, not right now? The Wiggles. The Wiggles? <laughs> really? Uh, I, at one point, I had, I had my um, Spotify link to my Tinder profile, uh-huh. and a friend of mine who I had shared my Spotify login with started listening to The Wiggles so that The Wiggles would show up as my, like, top listeners. Yeah, that's not good. But there's, like, a real chance that if we pull this off, that Spotify will see this data and then start recommending yeah. The Vergecast to people that listen to that artist. Well, like we could really we could really juke the system here. Okay, so go, basically what we've learned about your listeners is that that's who they listen to. And yeah. the common commonality here among everyone is Drake. Everyone likes Drake. Yeah, everyone but likes as an advertiser— And Ed Sheeran, apparently. Well, you have to think about it like this. As an advertiser, if I was advertising against music taste, everybody likes Drake. Like, how does that help me better sell si- Samsung phones? I know Samsung is one of their clients. Mm-hmm. How does that better help me sell my Samsung phones? This is what I'm saying. If we pick an obscure band, then every then Samsung will know to advertise against that obscure band. Spotify beat you to it because now Samsung can just advertise against tech shows, people who listen to technology shows. <sighs> and you can just see how this is really brilliant for Spotify as far as advertising ambitions go. And it also mm. just shows you and makes you think about how much people can learn about you going off your podcast habits. Wait. I'm I've become completely confused because if you're if you're if you're making an ad and you want it to run on podcasts that are listened to by people who listen to tech shows, wouldn't you just put it on tech that, shows? That's what she's saying. I mean, sure, you could reach out to the Verge cast and be like, "Hey, we mm. want to buy ads here." But Spotify mm. has an entire ad platform. I'm pretty sure it's automated. That is yeah, like you just it, go the and ads click play. Tech. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. like a Facebook Marketplace type thing where yeah. it just plays for the free users. So if I'm Samsung, I'm way better off targeting towards the podcast than targeting off of music taste. Right. But you could do that without collecting any user data. You just look at what category the podcast is listed on and then put those ads on those podcasts, right? I mean, you could, but that's way more expensive. It's really expensive to take out a host read on a podcast. So thank you to everyone for listening to this show. (laughs) (laughs) Promo code is promo code. (laughs) I am going to say, one of us has to pick a band. Uh, I'm going to say go go listen to Starcrawler. If you haven't heard of Starcrawler, totally worth a listen. Go check them out. I want to see Starcrawler on our Spotify data soon. So go do it. And if if you're not subscribed to us on Spotify, subscribe to us on Spotify. Then oh click play on Starcrawler, put it on mute. <laughs> then go over to Apple Music and rate us five stars there. Then mm. uh, walk away from your computer because you're done for the day. Give us all your data. <laughs> but this is the thing is now Apple is totally set up to compete with Spotify on privacy as far as right. podcasts go. Because Apple doesn't give the analytics like Spotify does. They'll tell you how far people listened in the show. They're not giving you this super precise data. And – it could come down to like, oh, I really care about my privacy, so I'm going to start listening to my podcast on Apple Podcasts. Maybe. Right. Okay. Speaking of Apple and Spotify, uh, there is a rumor that they're actually talking to each other to allow Siri to turn on Spotify and you can play songs from Spotify. Uh, this comes from uh, the information 
we don't know a ton about it. And there's a little bit of confusion because it may be that iOS 13 was, like, going to make this kind of possible in the first place. But Spotify has been very angry in, you know, filing an antitrust complaint against Apple and the EU. Um, just let them. Just do it. <laughs> like, what else is Siri good for? Honestly. <laughs> Apple Music. <sighs> I was worried about this, like, digital assistant lock-in issue like three or four years ago when they first started coming out. And um, no one believed me. But here it is. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's real. I hope that they do. I, I genuinely hope that they do what Google lets you do, which is set a default music player. So you don't have to be listened to. What's the, what's the band? Chainsmokers. No, no. Starcrawler. <laughs> Dang. Listen to Starcrawler <laughs> in Spotify. You could just say listen to Starcrawler. <laughs> right. I don't know. I don't think they're going to do the default thing necessarily. But I, I do hope they – I mean, I don't have a horse in this race. I don't have any smart assistants that I use regularly. I If, you, if it would help you, Dieter, I hope they do it. So you don't care because <laughs> but, you never use a smart assistant, not no. because you don't use Spotify. Okay. I use Spotify. But yeah. – but, I do see how Spotify on the HomePod would be very helpful. Yeah. And being able to issue commands like that for all the people who own HomePods. All six. <laughs> I just think all the people. Aren't they aren't they still an uphill battle against uh, like Ashley said like just uh, why do I need to use this, right? This smart assistant thing is of marginal utility and requires uh, like learning how to use it to use it effectively. So why bother? And a good reason to bother is would if it did the things you want it to do. And one of those <laughs> things is Spotify. So I feel yeah. like I, I understand that these companies are so in a habit of using their platforms as a hammer to, to, to attack their customers into doing what they want them to do. But if they thought for a second about how delighting their customers might actually help them in the long run, I feel yeah. like we could have some better products out there. So, man, the, the whole theme here is like, do you trust Apple's motivations, right? So mm -hmm. um, Alexa and Google let you set Spotify. Siri doesn't. Uh, but do you think that they're doing it because they're trying to use Siri like a hammer to force you into Apple Music? Or do you think they're doing it because they, they don't fully trust Spotify to do the right thing with your data and they don't want to make sure – they want to make sure that Siri doesn't pass along too much information, something, something, something. It's completely feasible or believable, plausible. It's completely plausible <laughs> that Apple has like genuine, ethical, like heartfelt – reasons to not want to talk to Spotify with Siri. I don't know what they are, but it's possible. I am almost positive if they said, hey, Spotify, we're going to hand you this deep link that includes the command play. If you respond to this deep link, the, yeah. the response to the command play and the name of your favorite Chainsmokers song, play it, <laughs> and, the, it. and the integration is solved, <laughs> you know? The worst part is I'm I'm gonna go listen to chain smokers uh, on my way home just to verify that I'm right that I don't like them. Well, I was just say I think the difference between the battery case where I'm like, oh, I can actually see Apple's reasoning here versus not allowing Spotify to be the default player, in which case I'm like, it doesn't make any sense. Is because yeah. it's like let me give me a fine, give me a pop up window if you really want. Give me your sales pitch. Spotify sells your data or gives your mm -hmm. data away or gives people information. We don't. Use Apple mm -hmm. Music. Give me that pop-up. I'll read it. 
and I will ignore it. And then I will set Spotify <laughs> as my default. Like, let me make that decision. I made my decision with the battery. It does have potential consequences. It could explode. Making Spotify my default, if I don't care about my data, I don't care about my data. I don't need Apple to protect me in that case. Spotify is also like they're nerfing their Android app. They, they got rid of the widget. I have many feelings about Android widgets. I don't <laughs> think anybody cares to hear them. But if you want to know what I think about the state of Android widgets, listen to my new show, Dieter on Widgets. <laughs> all right. All right. That's uh, coming. Uh, uh, ju- this just in. We have a 30-second clip from Dieter on Widgets. <laughs> and it goes as follows. <laughs> I really want to hear the Dieter yeah. clip, honestly. Okay. Apple's a walled garden, right? It's beautiful yeah. and you're stuck in the wall, but all the flowers are pretty and they smell good and they look good. Uh, Android is the opposite. It's still a garden, but it's a mess and no one's watered it or tended to it for years. And so <laughs> there's weeds and you have to dig through the stuff and get like nettles and briars attached to you to like just get to the thing you want. And that is the state of Android widgets. Nobody updates their stuff properly except for like, you know, maybe 30 like really cool indie developers. And sometimes the one that you like gets sold to a company that collects data in the way you don't like, and that sucks. Um, And like, it's all a mess. And if Google would just like put a little bit, a tiny amount of actual product focus on making widgets better on Android, then you could have uh, like a pretty nice garden without giant walls around it. And it turns out the iPhone actually did this pretty well by making that like left left to home screen thing where it's just a vertical scrolling list of widgets, which if you try and get that on Android, you basically can't unless you use Microsoft's thing. There's a couple others, but like getting good widgets on Android is a huge pain and it's really sad. And I don't blame Spotify for turning theirs off because why would you want to participate in that mess? <sighs> That was more than 30 seconds, wasn't it? What a great show. I That's one of my favorite shows, <laughs> Spotify, now that you know. Oh, man. Uh, it's so true, though. It's so true. Everything you just said is so true. Did, uh, I, I just I just decided to like I'm really embracing Android and I was gonna I'm gonna I've dedicated a whole screen of my phone yeah. to widgets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've got like two that I really like, and then a one that's like um just to fill up the rest of the screen yeah. so it looks nice. But what if and you found then, like three that you really like, like? You'd have to make another screen over to the right. You can't just swipe over and scroll, right? Well, and then like two of these widgets are like two-thirds wide, so yes. they won't fill up the whole width. Yep. So now I have this little pocket that I can't find a widget that fits. So now I have two random apps in it. <laughs> it's great. Or if you have like auto uh, show up on the home screen turned on, uh, when you install an app, like it, it finds that one little corner of your last screen where your widgets are. And like it, mm-hmm. you have to like scroll over to find it and then move it from there. Super yep. aggravating. <sighs> See, Ashley doesn't have this problem. She just has a grid of apps. <laughs> and that's it. She doesn't yeah, have to my phone is really organized yeah. and beautiful, I gotta say. This widget screen sounds like my hell. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing that you can do on Android that you can't do on an iPhone is you can have a blank space at the top of your screen <laughs> instead of at the bottom. It's wild. I get it. I get it, kind of, but you know. <laughs> I made my deal with the anyway. devil. Here I am. What do you guys think of this uh, this rumor? Uh, it's actually not a rumor. It's like it's a fact. Chris Welch went and looked at all of the stuff at the FCC that Sonos is making a Bluetooth speaker. About time, right? Yeah, I guess. I yeah, mean, 
they had to eventually, right? Like, they couldn't just keep churning out Wi-Fi speakers, could they? Like, they had to eventually be like, okay. I mean, they, they tried that. <laughs> yeah. They tried that for a while. No, I think they need to. I think it's about time. It looks like they're doing it right because it looks like it's coming with, like, a base station. Mm-hmm. And so when it's plopped on the base station, then it's like, okay, I'm a Sonos speaker. Mm-hmm. And when you take it off the base station, it switches to Wi-Fi or to Bluetooth. I kind of want the ability to still have it show up as a proper Wi-Fi Sonos speaker whilst attached, you know, just on battery power and not plugged Mm -hmm. in. So hopefully they allow that because the idea that I could, like, grab a speaker and, like, just take it outside and still have it participate in the Sonos world would be great. Um, But we'll see. But it's like, yeah, it's about time. Well, yeah, because, like, my roommate has a Sonos speaker in his room, and his room is attached to the living room. And there's been so many times where we have a deck. So I'm like, I want to bring your Sonos speaker, which sounds great, Mm -hmm. easy to use, love Mm -hmm. it. I just wish it could be Bluetooth, and I could take it onto the deck because your room's right there. Let's just move that speaker over. But instead, it has to be plugged in on Wi-Fi. So annoying. This literally solves that problem. There is a button on the back that let, apparently lets you toggle between Bluetooth and Wi-Fi, so we might get what we want here. Why is it a button and not a switch? What does everybody have against switches? <laughs> no Bluetooth headsets come with switches anymore. you got to, like, hold the button down for, like, three or five seconds to get the thing you want. Just make it a switch. Oh, wow. Switches are a, fine. It is a button. I thought it was the one where you, like, toggle it, like you push it to one side, yeah, push, push it to the other. Yeah. A switch. A switch. Switches are great. I've already forgotten the word for switch. I don't use them ever. <laughs> you have a ringer switch on your phone, but no one knows that because no one ever turns the ringer switch on except for me, and I have good reasons for it, even though uh, Bajan, who works for The Verge, makes fun of me for it. But I'm not going to get into that. Uh, but, yeah, like this should be a switch. Yes, it should And be. I don't know why every company hates switches. They're like, they, they cost like a half a cent more to make than a button, I guess. I don't know. Do they break more easily? Probably. Can we just – Get a new thing that's dip, that's Bluetooth, but totally not Bluetooth. <laughs> I, I, I'm at this point where, uh, as tech support to my my uh, aging parents, uh-huh. Bluetooth is one. Their devices are slowly being replaced by by Bluetooth. Yeah, and two, it's impossible for them to use because every bluetooth device yeah it's a button and it is some arbitrary amount of time that you hold it down or you double press or you triple press uh-huh. and then you go up to, it's just i don't i i think we're i think we need a completely new standard and it's like it's got it, it based on it could be nfc for pairing it could have it could be 2.4 gigahertz but it needs to not be called bluetooth mm-hmm. and we just need a total do-over because the current ecosystem is is a horrible impossible to use mess i don't know paul uh i mean bluetooth will be better next year <laughs> 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 but isn't so it amazing when Bluetooth works well? Yeah. You feel when? so powerful. Sometimes How I'm just that... like, it worked and yeah. it's awesome. <laughs> and it just turned on and my phone knew to pair. I think that I think that feeling is like, I'll never touch this again. <laughs> yeah. I will never unpair these two devices because it was so hard. I just I have a I have an eleven hundred dollar phone in my pocket. Three mm. feet away, I have, like, the most advanced wireless headphones you could possibly get, one for each ear or mm. all together if you, like, don't trust that. And yet, no matter what, no matter what, when I walk through an intersection in a city, it just, like, doesn't work. Like, mm. I have learned at a particular intersection outside my office that 
I shouldn't look both ways. If I look left, it's fine. <laughs> but if I look right, my, my headphones crack oh my out. And so I'm just like taking my life in my own hands every time I cross the street because I don't want my sound <laughs> to drop out when I look right. Wow. <laughs> That Peter, sounds please totally look reasonable. both ways. It's, it's please, annoying, though. Please, for your health. Yeah, <laughs> you're worried about carrying around a small little bomb, but you're not uh-huh. looking both ways <laughs> for, in the for street. cars for giant monster <laughs> vehicles. Yeah, okay, that's fair. Um, all right, we're gonna take another break, and then uh, we've got some Snap stuff, and we've got some uh, Huawei stuff. So stick around. Hey, Paul. Mm-hmm. How you doing? I'm doing very well. I heard that we we have this segment. Uh, I, I don't really remember what it's called, and I don't think we do it that often, but uh, do you know what I'm talking about? It's strange because it has the same name every oh, week. okay. <laughs> it's called Nice Boca You've Got There. It would be shame. No, let me try it again. <laughs> Sorry, sometimes <laughs> I forget. Even myself, I forget what it's called. It's called Nice Boca You've Got There. It would be a shame if something happened to it. And it's about some – I just wanted to preface this because this could be confusing from the headline. Mm -hmm. As far as I know, no DSLRs have been truly harmed out in the wild. But some security researchers have developed a way that you could do a ransomware attack on a Wi-Fi-enabled DSLR camera. And so you could could hack the camera – and then you encrypt all the files and, I don't know, demand Bitcoin yeah. to, to for the decryption key. That's so, dark. <laughs> the thing is, what if they make you, like, enter your Bitcoin password mm. using the camera's interface? <laughs> what if you like, trying to find your way around any camera, even if it has a touchscreen, is impossible. They're all different. They change every couple of years. I never know how to do anything. The, you know, the way that you do it is you actually you fire up the camera and you have them take a picture of a QR code, <laughs> which I've actually, having like delved into some of the QR code like libraries, I was doing mm-hmm. some programming stuff, and uh, very straightforward technology. As weird and as arbitrary as QR codes look like, it, it, it's it's very well specified it, mm-hmm. as it turns out. Anyways, <laughs> this is just continuing the theme of if it's connected to the internet, it's probably completely vulnerable to to being hacked. Yeah, and, you, and we're all gonna die. You know, the worst part is we we all learned this lesson in the early '90s with printers, and as soon as they became Wi-Fi enabled, we learned it again with printers. Like they're the original Internet of Things, screw up your network. Uh, mm. vector for attack. And we learned all those lessons, saw all that happen, and we're like, cool, let's make a billion different kinds of things just like that. <laughs> and that's where we live now. This makes me think of just a sad tourist, like, oh, traveling, oh, and all of a no. sudden they're on, like, a shady hotel Wi-Fi network, and oh, that's just sad. That's honestly just sad. Like, the hospital ransomware, that's also sad, but I'm like, I get it. Yeah. They're like, bajillion dollar corporations actually yeah but the sad tourist dslr think of your parents just like that they've been saving up for this trip the kids are finally out of the house off to college there's only one get to go and spend some time with each other (laughs) your kids bought you this fancy camera and showed you how to have the the pictures transferred to your ipad automatically over wi-fi Mm. and so you left that on and then just gone wow dark yeah, it really and is. And then you'll just have to use your phone and snap. 
Mm. See, this is a transition. That was, was it good? That no, was gorgeous. It was not good. <laughs> um, all right, so there's new spectacles. Spectacles 3. Legitimately unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> For real. When I saw this, I was like, oh, what? Like, why? Why? Snapchat, yeah, so this week they announced they're going to be coming out with the third version of mm-hmm. their sunglasses that have mm-hmm. cameras in them. Mm-hmm. They're the Spectacles 3. They're coming out in November. Now, you would think Snapchat has not sold many of these, apparently. They wrote down nearly $40 million in costs associated with the first version of the glasses. And supposedly yeah. they were sitting in warehouses. Like, they didn't sell from what we can tell. But no, they're still pushing through with version 3. And they made them more expensive. This time, they're $380. Just <laughs> like, come on. Which I guess is a move. I I don't I don't know. So they added okay, so an extra. So why are they more expensive? Yeah. So they're more expensive because they added an extra camera, an HD camera, so now it has depth perception. So you can take okay. the content that you capture and add augmented reality effects to them. And maybe you guys remember, but Snapchat, I believe it was earlier this year, introduced landmark effects where like you can make the flat iron building in New York puke a rainbow. Right. I don't know. This is the stuff teens like, I guess. And the idea is you can apply these filters to your content that you're capturing. So it's like AR. It's a little bit of AR without having a computer screen in front of you when you're capturing the content. I don't even know how to describe these. They're definitely trying to be like a little 1960s sort of fashionable. They they did a piece with Vogue where they had Vogue take photos with them. Like they're definitely going for the fashion audience. Yeah, it's got this like – bar across the top mm-hmm. and then it's like it's very straight across the top um, and then they're, they're, the glasses themselves are rounded and I look at it and I'm like oh this is clearly high fashion even though I have no idea why like I, I, I'm dumb about fashion but I get that vibe off this is this is the kind of high fashion that if you are very attractive you can make this look good and <laughs> it looks horrible on anybody else is, is that correct? Yeah. That right. I mean, the funny thing, though, is with their second version, they went really hard for the fashion audience. And this was one of my favorite lawsuits that ever happened was Luca Sabat, who is a very popular model. I think he acts as well. Snap had a deal with him as an influencer where he would have to go to a fashion week wearing spectacles. Mm-hmm. And he and I think and then he they made a deal that he could just post that content anywhere, like on Instagram. But he never did it. But it was just funny because even Snapchat was like, we know you're not going to post on Snapchat. Yeah. Like, we just know that's not going to happen for you. I don't actually know how that lawsuit ended. I'll have to look into that. But anyway, so they're still doing this, and it's interesting only because of the AR effects. Like, I think that is actually Snap's one thing that they do yeah. so well over Facebook slash Instagram is their AR effects. They're really, really good. They've had viral hits, the hot dog filter, the puppy yeah. dog filter. Like these were moments in our culture that the whole internet participated in. The gender swap filter, is, as much as that maybe was problematic, still mm-hmm, a moment mm-hmm. though. These are all moments. So is it, you say that the teen, you guess the teens like, uh, you know, puking flat iron, rainbow puking flat iron buildings. Isn't what the teens like, TikTok? Yeah, I mean, for sure. There's a lot of TikTok memes where they tell you, capture this. I, a lot of TikTok memes are trying to trick you into double tapping the like button or whatever. Yeah. yeah. But <laughs> there's a lot of TikTok memes where they try to get you to take the video from TikTok, import it into Snapchat and like reverse it or whatever. Some Snapchat feature to unlock the hidden message in the in the TikTok. Yeah. And also a lot of people who make TikToks use filters. 
So I do kind right. of view these sunglasses as platform agnostic. I mean, they don't automatically upload your content to Snapchat. Okay. So I think maybe it's smart that Snap is like, hey, we recognize that we have these really powerful AR filters. People like putting filters on their content. This is literally just a new form of camera that maybe could change people's TikTok game or just change right. content right. for however they want. And, I mean, maybe this is smart. But, again, $380 is not a teenager's budget. Mm. Right. So that's why I'm like, I don't get it. I don't get it. Well, what's funny is, like, the thing that makes TikTok compelling, I mean, one, it's like, it's just like, it's the popular thing. But the interface is um, really, really easy to, like, get into. You get content right away without doing any work. And then, you know, the music thing gives you, like, something to do. Like, you know what to do and how to make a TikTok, even if, you know, you don't know how to make something that is super viral. Mm -hmm. um, and it's funny because if you look at – remember the, the giant redesign of Snap a couple years ago, three years ago, however long it was? Mm -hmm. Like, that, like, Evan, like, got on a plane and, like, landed and, like, made every – blew up the whole company. Like, we're, we're doing it. Like, I think he saw that they need to, like, continually innovate on the interface of the app in mm -hmm. order to, like, try and land on a thing that, like – becomes like, you know, I don't know if addictive is the right word, but super, super sticky for users. And I want to say that this stuff is just a distraction, but I guess if you want to bet the company on AR because you're like ahead on AR, like, cool, go for it. I'm sure Facebook won't try and steal any of that and do anything. I mean, but, you know, Facebook did the portal and yeah. people were like, eh, I don't like this idea of Facebook having this access. So maybe Snap is in a better position to be able to pull something like this off. That's fair. Disclosure, my wife works for Oculus, which is a division of Facebook and makes VR, but not AR. But it's all in this slurry of stuff. Mm -hmm. I have now disclosed. But Instagram is doing an AR thing, right? Yeah. So Facebook and Instagram – also see AR as a big area that they can focus on. Facebook has had AR filters for a while now. Instagram had a beta program where creators that they approved could create face filters that would go on the app. They mm -hmm. just this week opened up that program to everybody. So like The Verge actually is putting out a face filter if you go to our Instagram page at Verge. Um, yeah, it's really cool. So that that's actually a really big deal for a couple reasons. One is that the more people you have creating, maybe the higher the chances are that you'll hit it big with, like, the hot dog filter. Like, someone out there maybe will come up with the thing that sticks and makes Instagram AR filters a moment that everyone wants right. to participate in. It hasn't happened yet. Maybe it will now. The second reason why is because Snapchat has allowed people to create filters for its platform for a while now. And they're full businesses. People mm -hmm. have brand deals. They work with brands to help them create filters. It's a whole thing. They make tons of money. Instagram now that everybody can submit, you're going to probably be seeing a lot more branded filters on Instagram. Right. I'm sorry, Ashley. Uh, you, uh, you're you only allowed to refer to it as Instagram from Facebook. That's the official oh name God. of the app now. <laughs> what a nightmare. <laughs> Oh, uh, why would they want to remind anybody that Instagram is owned by Facebook? Let us pretend. The, this is the obligatory uh, moment in every podcast that mentions AR where I bring up Werner Vinge's excellent novel, Rainbow's End, mm. uh, because I do love it as like this self-expression. Like I'm not, I, I quit Instagram and Facebook a while ago, but but I was still on some people would do, I don't even know if it was part of the beta program or just something that they were doing on their own, but there was this sort of like 
AR makeup kind of stuff mm-hmm. where they're like crying glitter and stuff like yeah. that. It's just it's such a cool form of self-expression because it's it it's it's like fantasy it's like it's like here it's not just modifying my looks but it's it's here's the costume i would wear in the mm-hmm. far future when this you know nanotechnology could make me cr- literally cry glitter like here's what i would look like then oh yeah i love i i absolutely love this stuff um i think it's so cool and i think Seeing it used actually in more high fashion or at least influencer photos where – because we're so used to seeing these filters from a selfie perspective. Mm. And it works fine then, but sometimes it kind of feels like people are just using them to have an excuse to take a selfie, which no hate. Like I totally Mm. get it. Fine with it. But it's cool when you see it, the rear camera – and the filters applied to people in an actual place where you're like, oh, you're in a setting. This is a really nice photo. And Mm -hmm. here is you with this filter. it's a whole different message, and I totally agree with you. I think it's awesome. I'm I'm happy AR is getting this attention. I think it's, I think it's very promising. Anything else about AR or? Mm, but no, nothing else to add. All right, one one last thing before we run two over. Um, one, <laughs> Huawei is delaying the Mate X, uh, which is perfect. Uh, Mate X, if you're not familiar, is their version of the uh, folding phone. Folds on the outside, not on the inside. Samsung insists they're going to be launching the Galaxy Fold. I think it was September they said it was coming they, out. They're saying September. The yeah. Mate X was going to launch in June. They bumped it to September, and now they're just saying this year. That'll be fun if it mm. ever gets released. Um but then they also, Huawei, you know, company that can't sell phones in the U.S. and may not have access to Android, depending on what happens with the trade war, mm-hmm. has announced that it does, in fact, have an operating system. Uh, in, the, in English, it's known as Harmony OS. Paul, what is it? Well, Dieter, it is a microkernel-based <laughs> operating system. Oh, I'm so excited. Okay. Uh, we're going to be here for another three <laughs> hours, aren't we? So, first— Huawei is not like Huawei has been working on its own like IoT ish operating system for a long time. Like uh-huh. it hasn't. Okay. It's not like been a super secret pro- project or anything like that. Um, like there's bu- tons of like developer documentation about their like IoT operating system that is based on a microkernel. They have like serious like researchers like thinking about these sorts of things. And so obviously, famously, the, uh, Google's Fuchsia operating system. Is a microkernel-based operating system, and uh, it also supposedly, according to Google, targeted at IoT. So now, right. Huawei is is bringing Harmony OS to this new TV, the, the Honor Smart Screen TV. Um, sure. And so now there's a user interface. Obviously, like like if you're an, an uh, a smart oven, for instance, you don't necessarily <laughs> need, you know, all the user interface stuff. You don't need all the connectivity stuff of a phone, but a TV has a lot of user interface, has a lot of connectivity. Uh, so like this, this TV has a, a, a pop-up camera for video chat. It's got like this um, integration with the phone where you like tap your phone on the remote with NFC. And now you can like, Chromecast your phone to your TV, that kind of stuff. Um, so it's not it's not like they have no functionality. This is a decent amount of functionality. It, the, the the user interface is pretty minimal, and this is yeah. still a, a long ways seemingly from a phone. Uh, they've they're saying that well, one because they're not sure about Android, right? Like right. it's not not that that they're not 
sure what to tell us. They don't know. Like the the, the <laughs> statement was that they are unclear as to whether Huawei can still use Android, and the company is waiting on an update to find out. But they're saying that they could they they could have this on uh, uh, the Harmony OS on other devices within the next few years. Next sure. three years or so. It's very Tizen-esque, right? Because Tizen, they, they made a couple phones, but really what it's for is for smartwatches and TVs. This is like that, but it's like the 2019 version of it that's like more advanced because it's based on a microkernel because microkernels are so hot right now. Yeah, and and I think that, that what's interesting, so Tizen is Linux, is based on the Linux kernel, right? Mm-hmm. As is Android. The the kind of the, the hot new thing to do is that you just make Linux an app. So this is what Microsoft mm-hmm. has done with Windows. Linux is an app now, and this, that's unlocked for them a lot of access to developer tools. That's very important. Stuff like running Docker and things like that. And then, you know, Chrome OS is running Linux kind of as an app to, to get access to desktop applications. Here, there's a microkernel, but then it also has this ability uh, they call ARC, the ARC compiler, so that they mm. can cross-compile Android apps to run on this phone. And so while there's a, a microkernel at the heart, this phone will also run Linux. It, uh, uh, this is as far as I'm understanding. And I'm sorry, I'm saying this phone. This operating system were to run on the phone. <laughs> this is how it would work. Um, it, it runs Linux. They say that our compiler can make Android apps faster. There's obviously, the, 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 the biggest obstacle is obviously Google Play services, right? A lot of app developers, you know, assume that they will have Google type parts of the operating system. Uh, but even if you have managed to make your phone run on Fire, uh, Fire OS, um, or, or another Android open source thing that's not Google Play infused, it's, I, I, I'm guessing there's still going to be edge cases. I'm sure this will not be a perfectly smooth transition, but it just seems like they are, they're, Huawei seems capable. They don't really want to go this way, but it's like, if you make us, we will move to this operating system. We will run Android apps and we'll try to get developers to develop directly for their, their, they have this thing called light OS that I really can't figure out how it's part of Harmony Mm -hmm. OS. I don't know if it's the front end or what. Is Huawei's Arc the same thing as Android runtime for Chrome, which is the original way Android was running on Chrome OS back in the day, or do they just happen to have the exact same acronym? I have no idea. Is it ARC with a K? Yeah, it's ARC with a C because it's Android runtime for Chrome. Don't think it's If you know the answer thing. to that question, you should tweet at Paul. He's at Future Paul. <laughs> this is um, I, I, Most of this information I'm getting is from this thing. There's a, a page on GitHub called Awesome Harmony OS that someone is <laughs> has gathered a ton of the information, including the source code to Light uh-huh. OS which is sort of their IoT platform. I don't think all the Harmony OS stuff that's like running on this TV is open source yet. The other thing that's yeah. interesting, and this kind of ties back to the the IoT stuff, is is that they're trying to do a, a thing. Huawei's little Twitter ad for their Harmony OS is all these different devices with brick walls in between them, like your watch okay. and your phone and the car and things like that. And then in the little clip, the walls dissolve. Oh, of course. Because you and can write once and run anywhere. That right. never goes wrong. <laughs> well, there's this concept. I, I, I've i seen, I don't know how focused Fuchsia is on this anymore, but I know that they did a lot of this stuff early on. Where like, 
we have an expectation when we like open up a Google Doc or Trello that we're going to collaborate in real time. It's synced across devices because it's not really even synced. It's all just in the cloud and we are accessing it all. But if you like open up text edit on a Mac or notepad on Windows and you type something and save, you're just saving to a hard drive. Yeah. There, there is work being done that kind of in the computer science realm that is sort of trying to be brought to more mainstream use that makes data more portable, sort of magically. I think that uh, we're always calling this their distributed capability kit. And so I'm, I'm not certain, but this might be sort of the thing that's behind the way that they're making the phone, like show, you know, sync information and show up on the TV. I, I think mm-hmm. we're all like aware of these frictions between moving devices from our devices to the cloud to another device or, or directly from device to device. And so a file that just sort of magically copied itself to all the places you need it to be and, and settings and bookmarks and things like that that all moved around seamlessly sounds really cool. And I think that's, it sounds like that's something, I know that's something Google's kind of worked on a little bit with Fuchsia. Sounds like there's some stuff like this in Harmony OS. I have no idea so, if that will really come to fruition. Technically interesting in lots of different ways, but I don't know if we ever are going to need to worry about this in the U.S. anyway. Like, what are the chances that this stuff is going to become available for purchase for a regular person in America anytime soon because literally Huawei itself doesn't know if they're going to be allowed to use Android. Huawei, like, you know, someone's like the biggest Android, you know, company on the planet Mm. doesn't know if they get to continue to use Android. It's a lovely situation we're in. Um, That's my take. I mean, we should look at it as like an academic exercise and maybe it'll like, you can see what the trends are, but like, you should not be excited about Harmony OS because it's going to be running your next TV because who knows if you're ever going to be able to buy anything from Huawei ever again, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I guess it is mostly academic. I think one thing that excites me about it is that theoretically, if a truly open source operating system, if it was really good and really useful, you can get some smart people, audit the code, make sure it's not phoning home to the Chinese government, and then you run it on whatever hardware you want to run it on. Mm. I mean, that is really what makes Linux so great. You know, it doesn't it doesn't matter who contributes to Linux up to a point because other people are contributing to Linux, auditing the code and making sure that it is is generally good. And so, you know, there's also this Wall Street Journal story this week about Huawei helping countries in Africa spy on their citizens, maybe. And yeah. there's obviously so much uh uh possibility for really for any technology company to do harm with the products it offers but if it if it makes it open source you are are mitigating some of that that potential there's a way to draw a line from that to back to the smart oven but uh i'm too tired to do it but <laughs> you leave that as an exercise for the listener all right that is the verge cast thank you very much for listening ashley thank you for coming on this week thank you we are definitely going to have you back paul thank you for microkernels you are personally responsible. You're for welcome, Dieter. Appreciate You're welcome. It. Anytime. There are other <laughs> great there are other great Vox Media podcasts. There's Recode Decode with Kara Swisher, Pivot with Kara and Scott Galloway. There's Recode Media with Peter Kafka. There is also Land of the Giants, which uh, this season is hosted by Jason Del Rey, and it's about Amazon. You should definitely check that out. A couple other plugs. Uh, you can binge listen to all of Why'd You Push That Button because that's uh, that season's done, right, Ashley? Yeah, it's done. Yeah. Please listen. 
you should good. go and listen to the whole thing. It's a very, very good season. There will, of course, be a uh, Verge cast interview episode uh, next week. Neelai will be back. And uh, one other thing, real quick. Um, pull over in your car and tweet at me. I'm at Backlon. And tell me what you want to know about the Note 10 Plus because I am currently reviewing it. It's in my pocket right now, not mm. not exploding. Uh, so you please the do that. One? I do have the pretty one. Oh, it's nice. it's iridescent, glowy, mirrors everywhere. <laughs> it's the best. We could have talked about that, but we talked about it a bunch last week. We'll talk about it again next week after uh, the review goes up. But let me know what you want to know about that note by tweeting at me. I'm at Backlon. Paul is future Paul. Ashley is Ashley R. Carmen. Yeah, good job. I'm always worried about the, forgetting about the R. I know. Uh, I need to hunt down Salesforce Ashley Carmen and make her give me a handle. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's it. Rock and roll. Paul. Well, wait. If you, if any of your <laughs> listeners work, if you any of your in. listeners work at Salesforce, find Ashley Carmen on Slack and tell her I need that handle. I'm not kidding. <laughs> Wow. Have you tried DMing tweet. her? Please. <laughs> okay. There has to be a Salesforce listener out there. This would be like a gift. Truly <laughs> a gift. Find just, Ashley. Just ask your friends at Spotify, Ashley. I bet they could track her down. <laughs> find, find her through the network of speakers. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you next week. Rock and roll. Paul. Kesney. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.